Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Stories of Us's. We are your hosts. I'm Gabby. And I'm Danielle. We have had such a crazy weekend, and it has honestly given us enough stories and excitement for 2023. Daniel is currently somewhere over the rainbow, so just a heads up about why his sound might sound a bit different than our other episodes, but we are so glad that you are listening to the podcast, and thank you so much for your support. We really appreciate it, and yeah, we are going to buy a new mic. We already bought one, but it's not working, so gotta buy a new one. <laughs> Anyways, thank you guys for turning in. <laughs> exactly. Um, so this week, we are going to be talking about one of my favorite stories growing up, mostly because my great-grandmother used to tell me fun, spooky stories um, about Latin America, and she actually made me a book about it. And in a way, this is me honoring our time and her memory. So everyone, on this episode, we will be talking about La Llorona. This week's resources are legendsofamerica.com, rewriting myth, new interpretations of La Malinche, La Llorona, and La Virgen de Guadalupe in Chicana feminist literature by Patricia Nelson. From Llorona to Gritona, Licue in Feminist Tales by Vira Montes and Cisneros by Ana Maria Carbonell, and Chicana Feminism and Horror, Fear La Llorona by Orquidea Morales. Danny, what do you know about La Llorona? Uh, before that podcast, I didn't really know anything about it, but you told me about it, so I did a little bit of research not too much because it's it's not a story that you would ever hear like here i actually maybe have to do here. some research <laughs> here, here in germany where i grew up where i grew up in germany so maybe i have to do a little bit of research is there if there's maybe like some type of equivalent here or some like other story that is type of that um but what i found out and what i briefly read through is that it's um like a mexican folklore and there are very like a lot of different versions of La Llorona, but basically it's about a woman and she is killing both of her children. I mean, some stories even say that it's three children. Actually, no one knows really. So it's really like an old story that gets like told by generations in different areas of the country with different backgrounds and like different, I don't know, interpretations, I guess. And then this woman who killed her children then is kind of stuck in the afterlife type of like, she, she cannot go to heaven, cannot see her children again. Um, but can also not stay on earth because she yeah she's kind of like herself. in the in between, and so her she's looking for her children to get them back, and that's how she got her name. I'm wandering through like areas, especially with the water, and I guess you will touch base on that a little more, um, and 
it's type of like a folklore to to tell children to like yeah. behave to don't go out when it's dark like be careful when you're around the water and that type of stuff yeah i mean mm, we use it a lot in our vernacular in spanish like there are a lot of sayings that have to do with la llorona right so if like you're lost or like not only are you lost physically, but you're lost like mentally in the conversation and you're talking about somewhere else or you don't really get something. You're just kind of like, we're talking about, I don't know, apples. And then you start talking about eyelashes. People are going to be like, wow, él está más perdido que el hijo de la llorona. Or when something is actually physically lost, we will say the same thing, which is like that person is even more lost than the llorona's child. Um, it's just kind of like a funny thing, um, but it is an orally, um, it is a folklore that is orally passed down. So like you said, it's not necessarily the same in every region or in every place or in every country, um, but there are some similarities with everything. And the story that I'm about to tell you, again, as we do in every episode, almost every episode, um, is the one that has like the most common denominators throughout all the stories, right? Like how many children did she have? Like the details don't vary, but like the basics are the same. So if you're ready, I'm ready. I'm ready for sure. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. So La Llorona, christened Maria, was born to a peasant family in a humble village. Her startling beauty captured the attention of the area's rich and poor men. She was said to have spent her days in her humble peasant surroundings, but she would don her best white gown in the evenings and thrill the men who admire her in local fandangos. The young men anxiously waited for her arrival, and she reveled in the attention she received. However, La Llorona had two sons who made it difficult for her to spend evenings out, and she often left them alone while she cavorted with the gentlemen during the evenings. One day, the small boys were found drowned in the river. Some say they drowned through her neglect, but others say they may have died by her own hand. Another legend says that La Llorona was ca a caring woman full of life who loved, um, full of life and love, who married a wealthy man who lavished her with gifts and attention. However, after she bore him two sons, he changed, returning to a life of womanizing and alcohol often leaving her for months at a time. He seemingly no longer cared for the beautiful Maria, even though, and even talking about leaving her to marry a woman of his own wealthy class. When he did return home, it was only to visit his children, and the devastated Maria began to feel resentment toward the boys and her life. One evening, was strolling with her two children on a shady pathway near the river, her husband came in with a carriage with an elegant lady beside him. He stopped and spoke to his children, but ignored Maria and then drove the carriage down the road without looking back. After seeing this, Maria went into a terrible rage and turning against her children, she seized them and threw them into the river as they disappeared downstream. She realized what she had done and ran down the bank to save them, but it was too late. Maria broke down into inconsolable grief, running down the streets, screaming and wailing. 
The beautiful La Llorona mourned them day and night. During this time, she would not eat and walked along the river in her white gown, calling and searching for her boys, hoping they would return to her. She cried endlessly as she roamed the river banks, and her gown became soiled and torn. When she refused to eat, she grew thinner and appeared taller until she looked like a walking skeleton. Still a young woman, she finally died on the river banks. Not long after her death, her restless spirit began to appear, walking the banks of the Santa Fe River when darkness fell. Her weeping and wailing became a curse of the night, and people began to be afraid to go out after dark. She was said to have been seen drifting between the trees along the shoreline or floating on the current with her long white gown spread out upon the waters. On many a dark night, people would see her walking along the riverbank and crying for her children, and so they no longer spoke of her as Maria, but as La Llorona, the weeping woman. Children are warned not to go out in the dark, for La Llorona might snatch them, throwing them to their deaths in the flowing waters. Though the legends vary, the apparition is said to act without hesitation or mercy. The tales of her cruelty depend on the version of the legend you hear. Some say she kills indiscriminately, taking men, women, and children, whoever is foolish enough to get close to her in the water. Others say she is a very barbaric and kills only children, dragging them screaming to a watery grave. When Patricio Logan was a boy, he and his family saw her on a creek between Mora and Guadalupita in New Mexico. And this is just like a little fun story I wanted to add in for you guys. As the family was sitting outside talking, they saw a tall, thin woman walking along the creek. She then seemed to float over the water, started up the hill, and vanished. However, moments later, she appeared with much. She reappeared much closer to them and disappeared again. The family looked for footprints and finding none, did no doubt that the woman they had seen was La Llorona. She has been seen along many rivers across the southwest and legend has become part of Hispanic culture everywhere. Part of the legend is that those who do not treat their families well will see her, and she will teach them a lesson. Very short oh. story, but that's, in essence, the myth and legend of La Llorona. And there are so many versions of it. Like, there are. I, there's so like, many, many versions. I had to like pick one, and I picked this one because it was like <laughs> the most succinct, the most like it had all of the elements and the probabilities. Like even you know, like the first part that I read was different from the second part because there's like different variations, and I and those are the most popular ones out there. Yeah, and I think like there are some other ones. Like I, I read about one where she was also married to like a nobleman, and like basically her her rage is coming from the same idea that he was like with another woman, but she didn't use like like she didn't drown the children, but she used a knife, and they had three children, not two. And then there are like a bunch of other stories. Even one is like tying it like to the conquest of the spanish going to come or coming to mexico one is saying that she was married to like a conquistador 
or not married, but like she had children with him at least. One was like with a Mexican guy who was working as a, no, it must have been a Spanish guy who has been working like as a translator with like the local folks there. So there's like a very big variety, but I think when you boil it down, it's always about a woman, woman that's um, looking really good, but lower social status and a man that's typically a higher social status, yeah. irrespective of where he is coming from. Yeah, and one of the things that people really highlight is that like she couldn't leave her husband and we're going to talk about more we're going to talk more about that coming up so oh, okay let's let's go in and i, I want to highlight this and i'm going to restate this later as i'm you know telling what we researched la llorona is part of north american and south american legend for those of you who don't know mexico was way way bigger than what we think it is and what it is today mexico would goes all the way up north into the united states mexico is part of north america north america is not just the united states north america is mexico the united states and canada and a lot of the territory we have on the West, especially the Southwest, like Texas, Arizona, California, that used to be a big, that used to be Mexico. So remember that culture is important, that geography is important, um, and that history is important in this story. So with that being said, I'm going to get to it. La Llorona, which translates as the wailing woman, is a myth largely transmitted as an oral story. Its details and precise meanings are adaptable to the cultural needs of varying locations, as Danny said. Even what La Llorona is called differs based on the region. In many cultures, women, far more than men, serve as archetypes. The idea of woman is simultaneously idolized and vilified. Both processes serve to reduce the idea of a woman to a symbol, rather than acknowledging real women's complexities. Many of these images appear across cultures, in the stories through which societies define what it means to be male or female, and the parameters of acceptable behavior within those roles. The constant repetition of these stories through generations enforces and maintains gender systems, and women who step outside the behavioral boundaries, which have been thus defined, are punished. The three main archetypal roles available to women within Mexican and or Chicana, Chicano culture is, are these three. La madre, the mother. La virgen, the virgin. Y, excuse my language, la puta, the bitch, right? Or the whore. Although in reality, women cannot be easily confined to these categories, the ideological structure maintains divisions. All women must be defined by these roles. While some of the roles can develop an uneasy and uneven, untenable coexistence, as in the iconic image of the Virgin Mother, others such as the Virgin and the Whore are seen as opposites, 
demanding a perpetual division. You're either one or the other. As a result, women must constantly attempt to conform to an impossible standard, suppressing their sexuality and privileging male experience in order to be the virgin or mother rather than the whore. Many Chicana feminists theorists are interested in reclaiming the dominant stories of their culture, especially those that dictate gender roles. These stories often reflect the influence of colonizing cultures. Chicanas or Chicanos have experienced colonization twice, first by the Spanish in the 16th century and then by the United States with the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo in 1848. This treaty prom promised that Mexicans living in these territories would be allowed to keep their land, but as always, this promise was not kept. Given this history, many Chicana, many Chicana and Chicano theorists aim to develop a post-colonial understanding of Chicana and Chicano culture that goes beyond Spanish and Anglo influences. For this story, again, it is important to know about the history of the land and its people to understand the depth of the story. Within this theoretical framework, there is a focus on rewriting myths which involves rewriting ideologies and cultural norms. Again, remember, as a Latina, I can definitely say that the big cultural norm in Latino culture is patriarchy, machismo, just valuing and putting a bigger value on the male perspective and the male counterpart than the female, and then putting women into these three archetypal stories and archetypal characters. So it's important to know that that is like that societal norm. And this has been for generations and generations and hundreds and hundreds of years. It's not just in the last 10, 15 years, 20 years. This has been a huge development of huge cultures. Um, again, like dating back to like the 1400s, 1500s and beyond that. Uh, I mean, even when we were talking about Medea the other day in one of our other episodes in ancient Greece, We're talking about that as well. We're talking about the societal norms and the cultural norms and trying to rewrite and question ideologies and not just take it at face value and not just make women out to see to be the bad guys, not make women out to be the villains, but understand that they have their own stories and they have their own um complexities that we need to understand and that's what this podcast is for is to go in and question these stories to question and really view it from the perspective of the women in in these stories in fiction and in real life in chicano chicana culture there are three female figures that define the culturally acceptable boundaries and categories of female behavior la malinche la llorona and la virgen de guadalupe These figures serve as mediators. Guadalupe represents the virgin mother who has not abandoned us. La chingada, or la malinche, represents the raped mother who, have, who we have abandoned. And la llorona represents the mother who searches for her lost children and combines aspects of the other two figures. Ansaldúa and other Chicana feminist authors aim to expose how these figures have been historically used and to reimagine them in ways that challenge misogynistic and oppressive ideologies. 
This requires recognizing that the cultural significance of these three figures who embody different but intersecting female roles stems from centuries of various histories, centuries of myths, and centuries of religions. As Norma Alarcón states, feminism is a way of acknowledging that the patriarchy does not truly reflect women unless we accept distortions, both mythical and historical. Chicanas occupy a unique position from which they can recognize these distortions. Because of their mixed racial and ethnic backgrounds and their disadvantaged positions based on gender and sometimes sexuality, many Chicana feminists are interested in revealing and breaking down dominant cultural beliefs. Within the Chicano culture, there are beliefs that are often perpetuated through the stories of La Malinche, of La Llorona, and La Virgen de Guadalupe. The story of La Llorona, aka the weeping woman, is similar to La Malinche, although there is debate about the origins of her myth. The story has many variations and is mainly passed down through oral tradition. So it is told differently in different communities and different regions. The most common version tells of a woman who is betrayed by a man, sometimes her husband, and as a result, she drowns her own children in a river. Different versions of the story attribute her actions to offenses like adultery, infanticide, neglect, revenge, hedonism, and self-indulgence. La Llorona is condemned to wander the earth forever, searching for her dead children, and she haunts creeks and streams, crying in pain for her children. The story is often told to scare kids, warning them that if they wander too far from home, the ghost of La Llorona will take them away. Which is true, because my grandma used to do that a lot. She used to, like, you know, in, in Latin cultures, we have La Llorona and we have El Coco, which is like the the female and male version of the boogeyman and like you didn't want to piss any of them off and even like one of our most like famous lullabies in spanish is like go to sleep or else the boogeyman is gonna come and get you um so we we were raised on los spookies for those of you who know you know it doesn't sound like you guys would ever have a good sleep Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You guys have you guys have compost, right? Com and you guys have Oh, right, you don't know. Uh Jenny doesn't know about about this uh German um <laughs> myth. Compost, it's the like evil version of Santa of Nikolaus. He like takes children oh, no, I know. who are bad. Oh yeah, I know about that one. Isn't there takes like them the... to Yeah hell oh well um maybe not there's like a really big there's a really big um festival of it in um austria okay i've seen those videos of the guys they wear like insane costumes like they're like half man half goat it's crazy um yeah so and you guys also have stories children's stories where you cut off children's fingers for behaving badly you guys have um fairy tale stories that i mean you guys if you guys read the brothers grim stories yeah don't don't come after me like you know 
it's still something else to be threatened that the boogeyman will come for you if you don't fall asleep, which literally means you're going to be killed if you're not falling asleep. That's like pretty drastic. <laughs> so is cutting off a kid's hands and fingers. His nails were too and long. toes and have birds plucking out your eyes and being eaten by wolves and taken down to hell if you're not nice. I think I think we're even. Or being put in an oven. Being put in an oven if you talk to a strange woman who has a whole house made out of candy. Goddamn, she was very smart. Anyway, some people believe that La Llorona is just another version of the Malinche because they are both seen as failed mothers. But the origins of La Llorona's legend actually predate the Spanish conquest. According to... Américo Párez, the legend of La Llorona became widely rooted in Mexican tradition because it was connected to a native legend cycle about a supernatural woman who seduces men when they are alone on the roads or working in the fields. Other scholars trace the origins of La Llorona to Sihuacotal, which I apologize if I'm not pronouncing it correctly, um, and she is the woman's serpent a deity from the Toltec civilization that was later adopted by the Aztecs. She was believed to have walked through the city at night, crying for her children, and her wails were seen as a sign of impending war. Although she was originally a respected goddess, Siwakota became demonized after the Spanish conquest and was associated with child sacrifices and abductions. And remember that the Spanish conquest brings Catholicism to Latin America, to North America. So the demonization of women also comes from that part. Let's let's keep that in our minds. Her significance among the Aztec people was then forgotten, and she was transformed into La Llorona, a bedtime story used to scare children and warn about the dangers of women. According to Sherry Maroga, the stories of La Llorona reinforces the idea of women as inherently sinful and deviant. And it teaches that girls are punished for behavior, that men are rewarded for, that women should not seek pleasure or independence, and that children can become victims of women's jealousy. La Llorona, like La Malinche, is an iconic example of a quote-unquote bad woman, and a failed mother. Like mythology, popular media reinforces gender roles and creates expectations for a certain type of lifestyle. As a child and young woman, we listen to popular songs that tell us that suffering for love is good and that pain in love is somehow sweet. You must endure it for it to be worth it. The idea that women must passively accept suffering as a part of love echoes the message of La Llorona stories. While La Llorona's story suggests that the only way out of an abusive relationship is through suicide and murder, these popular songs encourage women to stay with abusive men despite the pain. Again, because it is celebrated, because you are going through it, because you are really proving that you love them um, if you are staying with them because it is said with the promise of that if you endure it there would be a eventual happy ending however let's argue that by connecting the story of la llorona with elements of popular media 
It implies that the ideals of femininity presented to Mexican women are models of pain and suffering. And we kind of talk about that too in our episode um, about Mary Shelley, about Medea, about Sansa. It's not just in Mexican folklore, but it is kind of like an, an overall phenomenon through different stories. And I think like some of it is driven irrespective of the gender by I think the church because the church was kind of like this thing, right? You were like giving people the promise, um, work in hardship, your life sucks, but eventually you will be blessed and you will finally submerge into a higher existence of living after you've passed away. So you just trick people into having like a shitty life working all the time by being relieved of it by death. Exactly. And if you are privy to the pleasures of the world, then you will not be given access to the pleasures of heaven, to the pleasures of your afterlife, that your life should be miserable so that you can enjoy your life after death, which I think, and this is my personal opinion, um, that that's wrong. I I don't think that's wrong. And typically those rules are written by the people who want to control you do not live Yes, that do not live according to those rules. Exactly. In the traditional story of La Llorona, she is defined through her romantic relationship with the continued existence of the family depending on the success of the relationship on the relationship between mother and father. Therefore, the traditional La Llorona believes that to leave her abusive husband, she must kill her children. It's a way to escape the cycle of pain which we've talked about and it's not just in the story again like it is a recurring ideal um, for women who are in these types of situations and it's kind of like saying that there is no hope um, especially for very traditional and again coded with religious pressure that you cannot leave your family you cannot leave your husband even if your husband is in the wrong like you must suffer through it so that that happy ending comes eventually. And you cannot divorce and you cannot leave, um, you know, kind of what we were talking about in the episode of Medea, where, you know, we're questioning, like, why is it that men can and women can't? Many feminist theorists, theorists of color have pointed out that women of color cannot completely separate themselves from the men of their cultures. Again, this is very crucial in this type of culture, in Hispanic and Latin culture, especially because it stems so much from religion. So I want to to keep that in mind. I want you to remember that just because this is what they're saying, it does not mean that it is true for everyone, but it is true for a lot of people and that we should be mindful and kind and open to making sure that people find help and people find support. Um, when they're in these situations. In the Kambahi River Collective's revolutionary Black feminist statement, they state that race, class, and sex oppression are often experienced simultaneously and are difficult to separate. Mexican women also face the impossibility of abruptly and entirely removing themselves from a patriarchal society. 
La Llorona remains one of the few iconic female figures who has been given a voice by history. Mullen agrees that La Llorona, a woman silenced in life, wails her grief and death, and we learn to find a feminist message of survival in the haunted voice of the creek that hollers with the rage of the silenced woman. The fact that the silenced woman is given a voice through La Llorona is important. However, we also must focus on grief or rage as it overlooks one of the most significant part of the endings. Not only are we affirming women power, but we also have the right to not be, to not make the best decisions, right? A lot of the things that we say and we do, especially when we're talking about the archetypal characters, is that women, if women want equal rights, if women want equal representation, if women want equal respect, then they cannot have, they cannot make flaws. They cannot have flaws. They have to be either the virgin or the mother, as we've talked before. For example, one of the biggest things we hear a lot is that women are emotional. And for a woman to be respected in the workplace, they shouldn't be emotional. And we've said this in different podcasts, but men are also emotional and they are not vilified in the same way that women are. They are not taken down a notch because they're like, oh, it doesn't look like she can handle this, right? Their emotion is an emotion, right? Sadness and frustration that the physical representation of that could be crying, just as frustration, sadness, anger for men could look like rage, can look like screaming, can look like avoidance. It's still the physical show of an internal emotion. And I think that allowing for both genders to make mistakes, right? Allowing for both genders to be imperfect is also what's going to give equality to both genders in the sense that there are a lot of things and we talk about a lot of things that women can and cannot do in current society. They're the same things that men and can and cannot do. Um, specifically, as we're talking about La Llorona, which is a Mexican folklore, a lot of Mexican society still lives by being a machista society, which is very, not just patri patriarchal, but very glorifying men and toxic masculinity of men cannot cry, men cannot have any sensitivity, men cannot do things that are traditionally feminine, like They can't dance, they can't sing, they can't like certain colors, they can't like certain movies. They, they're very, very restricted. And I think that when we open that up to, well, it's for everyone to enjoy. It's for the human experience. I think that accepting that um, and talking about La Llorona, La Llorona brings that up to that saying that everyone has good and bad in them. Everyone has complexities and holds multitudes within them. And hopefully through this podcast, whoever's listening can feel safe to be their truest self out feeling confined to societal norms and cultural ideologies. In the retelling of the Jorona myth, we want to create a model of freedom and an escape from the cycle of violence and generate a new understanding of Chicana, Chicano, or Hispanic and non-Hispanic motherhood and gender roles. What else is being raised within this myth is the issue that the church, the media, and oral traditions all lack positive female role models for women in general, especially for Chicanas, which is where La Llorona comes from. 
say that, um, I also want to highlight that researchers have interviewed Mexican and Mexican-American subjects to study the different versions of La Llorona. They found out that there is a clear difference between male and female interpretations. Despite the various interpretations, all versions of La Llorona talk about the consequences faced by women who don't follow the expected roles of being a wife, mother, or lover. This story reflects the patriarchal views of women in both the Catholic Church and Mexican society. It serves as a warning about the consequences of defying gender roles. The story is transmitted orally, which allows for different interpretations, especially between men and women. Men tend to vilify La Llorona and justify her punishment because she didn't fulfill her expected roles of mother, wife, and lover. And they emphasize her leaving her family to walk the streets, which reflects attitudes towards women's sexuality. On the other hand, women sympathize with La Llorona for being abandoned and having to take care of their children on her own. They justify her actions because her husband's infidelity caused the tragedy. The concept of La Llorona walking the streets reflects the perception that women are sexually uncontrolled. Men often depict La Llorona as a conceited woman who rejected men's advances because she believed she was too good for them. This implies that vanity was the cause of her suffering and demise. Women interpret La Llorona's husband's demise as a punishment for his infidelity. They also interpret her filicide and suicide as justifiable acts to her end to end her situation and, re and deprive her lover of his family. La Llorona myth also teaches about sexuality and gender roles. It warns women about the consequences of not fulfilling their roles and turning their backs on God and men. And the myth induces shame in women for their sexual indiscretions, inability to be a mother, and trusting deceptive men. It also restricts, quote-unquote, inappropriate displays of femininity and forces women to adhere to the ideal of being long-suffering mother and wife. Again, talking about that, if you suffer, that is the eventual happy ending. The legend of La Llorona has inspired many women, actually, to leave abusive households and protect their children from poverty and abuse. She can be seen as a defender of women who experienced abuse from intoxicated husbands and as a punisher of men who neglect their families. La Llorona represents the complexity of being female and defies traditional categorizations. La Llorona evolves with each adaptation to fit the multiple identities of different writers and audiences and readers who need her. La Llorona remains relevant constantly adapting to the times and taking on revolutionary and meaningful qualities. Through myth and oral tradition, La Llorona transcends mortality with her story holding different meanings for each person who hears it. In essence, La Llorona encompasses all of these interpretations and yet none of them completely. She can be seen as a historical figure, a divine incarnation, a terrifying figure who, adopts ch who abducts children, a moral tale about motherhood and infidelity, or a feminist symbol. The legend serves various purposes for the collective psyche of the Mexican and Chicanx communities and the wider non-native Hispanic and non-Hispanic audience. 
Her story resonates with many because she embodies the most fundamental human emotions, love and pain. And that is the story of La Llorona. I think you chose your words very well. And I actually have a few more thoughts, though. Um, but they pretty much align with what you summarize in the end. And I think it's so cool to see, like, all those different variations of the story because apparently, like, it's always tailored to whatever you want to express with the story. So there are so many different versions of it, but all of them are inspirational and somehow trying th those stories are trying to pass down like information like through family and sharing values over the boundaries of generations so i think that's one big point and i was wondering like um because i i also feel like la yorona is somehow like uh it's somehow related and the story's origin i think is related to the demise of the indigenous culture uh, after the conquest of mexico by the spanish What right but, about that? but it, they've also found that the story predates that like way before oh, that. yeah 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 absolutely but i just what think I'm that like, is, like the this modern adds this adds on like another layer and another layer and another layer right so like we have like the toltec right goddess and then the aztec adaptation of that and then the conquest and then like the c catholic religious um tones that are put on that story and then it like it's kind of like a game of telephone right where the next person kind of like says it in the way that they want it to be understood by the people that they're talking to right um so that it makes sense for that culture for that time for that purpose yeah um but i think that it's so cool to see that the story that we grow up listening um, to and hearing has become uh, inspirational for women who are leaving abusive homes. I think that's that's really beautiful that the story has such power, that the story has such, you know, influence uh, even hundreds of years later because how important it is. And I, I really recommend those of you who are listening um, One, two, when you guys are reading stories, when you guys are hearing myths and folklore, um, to really understand that there's someone out there who needs to listen to that story or who's someone who will feel inspired to do better for their family, do better for themselves for this story. And um, even though the story is supposed to be spooky and supposed to be um, something that scares children, um, it has inspired women to save their children, to save themselves um, from an unhappy household, uh, regardless of their culture, regardless, not regardless of the culture, but regardless of what their family says, regardless of what their society pushes them to be, but um, that they are their truest and freest selves. Uh, and that we are, you know, sensitive to the fact that not everyone has that possibility. Not everyone has um that freedom to do so but we are there in solidarity hoping and praying for the best for every single person out there absolutely yeah that is the story uh i honestly have been so excited to talk about this 
particular one, I feel like I say that on every every episode, but I am an avid reader and these stories have formed my life and have, you know, formed the way I think and the way I try to see things with an open heart and an open mind. Um, so hopefully as you guys are listening to the stories, you guys get inspired to look them up yourselves and, you know, create your own, um, thoughts and ideas. And we just thank you so much for taking the time to listen to us talk to you. Thank you guys for tuning in today. It was so nice to have you and I really enjoyed it, especially because Gabby was like so into the topic. Um, and if you guys enjoyed the episode, give us a like, rate our podcast, follow us on social media. You can find us at stories of S's on Instagram. And you can also send us an email on the stories of S's at gmail.com and just ask us questions or give us any ideas that you have we should, and characters that we should talk about. Yeah. And also, if you guys are on my personal uh, Instagram, I do get your suggestions and they're on the list. So thank you all so much for listening. We are excited to talk to you next week. Um, hopefully we get a new mic shipped to wherever Daniel is over the rainbow and we love you guys. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Bye. Cheers.